Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. Thanks for joining us. We've got a really interesting episode for you today. We've got Steve Loft, a film producer, on. Steve is working on creating Pep, a movie about featherweight boxer Willie Pep, who was born and trained for his fights right here in Connecticut. What's almost as interesting as Pep's story to me is Steve's idea of filming the entire movie in Hartford, an opportunity that I think will be great for our capital city and state. Here's Steve to talk about Pep's story and the process of getting this movie made. So Steve, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Steve, to get started, before we dive into the work you're doing on the Willie Pep movie, why don't you tell us a bit about your background uh, you know, in filmmaking and producing uh, leading up to this point? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've been in the film industry, film and television for about 20 years. And um, I've worked in all facets of production, you know, behind the scenes. And um, I've gotten very heavily involved in, in, in writing in the last decade. Uh, I've had a script option. I've, I've had another um, writing assignment I picked up along the way um, where I had to adapt the story for some independent producers. has not yet been produced. And in uh, 2008, which is quite some time ago, I was in Los Angeles. I had a script that had some heat, uh, which subsequently was not produced, but I was out there for about nine months um, and uh, trying to get a deal with this script. And uh, a good friend of mine, James Matteo, was living in Los Angeles, and we spent a lot of time together. And that's when he first told me about his desire and dream to play the role of Willie Pep. And as I got to know more about Willie Pep, uh, I kind of jumped right in. I said, Jim, let me help you develop this. As I got to know more about it, I was like, this is a story I want to be involved with. This is a story I want to help my good friend uh, James Matteo, uh tell. And uh, that's how I got involved with Pep. That's a little bit of my background in the industry. Um, and we're now getting, you know, it's been a while, like I said, it was 2008, but we're close to, you know, seeing that dream come to fruition of telling Willie Pep's story. Yeah, so you talk about getting closer to, to seeing that dream come true. For those who aren't as familiar with what the, the movie making process is like, uh, you know, you talk about scripts picking up heat. What is, what is the process like, you know, so going back to 2008, you guys have the idea to make a movie about Willie Pep. What's been the process like, uh, you know, over the past uh, 10 years or so? Yeah, that's a great question. So initially we thought we'd make a big classic biopic. Um, it would be that cradle to grave Willie Pep story, very large budget. Um, we quickly realized that was not going to happen, uh, quickly being three or four years, uh, which is relatively fast in the, in the film industry. But we're like, we're hitting uh, some dead ends. Let's reconceive this thing, which we did and came up with a, a smaller idea, um, just a smaller budget version of the Pep story. Uh, spent another four or five years with that with various producers and different directors being attached. So I'll, we'll call it the $5 million Willie Pep version. That didn't work. So about uh, two years ago, a little less than two years ago, we came up with this bare-bones uh, idea and way of telling Willie's story. And I had this inspiration of, what if we, our story revolves around Pep's comeback in 1965. He was already retired six years. And what if we had found some documentary footage of Willie Pep? This crew from New York heard about his potential comeback, went up to Harford uh, to tell Willie's story, and, and found a lot of other things along the way, including a lot of the personal problems he was having at that point in his life. And what if we had found that footage and made that into a film? And I kind of put that on the page, um, you know, from a cost, 
consideration standpoint, you know, logistically it was very feasible and aesthetically it was a really unique approach to telling a, a boxing story, a genre that's tried and true and has been done in so many ways. There's so many cliches in the boxing genre and we just felt like we obliterated so many different cliches in telling the story this way and the, the approach and the aesthetic was such that it really appealed to a lot of people and we were able to lower the budget um, to what's presently about 1.6 mil is what we're calling it. And we've got some traction now with this number, with this style of storytelling, and we think we could have something special um, at this point in time. You, you talk about focusing uh, on a certain part of Willie Pep's life, and that being his, his comeback. What you got? What got you interested in wanting to make a movie, A, about Willie Pep, you know, as, as your friend, as you uh, mentioned earlier, was talking about it and got you interested, and then B, you know, when you hear about this point in his life, you know, what really got you interested in, in wanting to focus on that part? Uh, you know, in particular. Sure. Well, to clarify, my friend is James Matteo. He's the actor that will portray Willie Pep um, in the film. And, you know, James has been in Hollywood. He's, he's been cast by Spielberg, I think, three times. He was in Hook um, about 30 years ago. Uh, he was in Band of Brothers. He was one of the regulars, uh, played Frank Percanti. He was in The Basketball Diaries, opposite Leo DiCaprio and, and Mark Wahlberg. So Jimmy is, uh, you know, an esteemed professional, and, and he's been with me the whole ride. And this is, again, this is his dream to play the role. Um, you know, what appealed to me, what stood out to me with Willie Pep was the record. Uh, when I saw the record, I just couldn't believe the number of fights and the winning percentage. His record is 229 wins. That's the most in the history of the sport against 11 losses. He fought over three decades. And you think about fighters today like Floyd Mayweather, you know, 50 wins, even back then. Marciano, great career, 49-0. and 0. And then you see 229-11, and 11, and you're like, why and how could a guy fight so many fights over his career? And that was the first thing that grabbed me, and that stood out about Pep, that, you know, most of the casual fan doesn't know who Willie Pep is, yet here's this guy with this incredible record and the most wins in the history of the sport. Um, so that stood out. And then, like I said, we, we started with the long version of, I didn't know where the first draft of the script was 240 pages. You can't put that on the screen. And I whittled it down, but it was still a lot of information. And it was, you know, beginning to end of his life. And as it came into clearer focus, uh, I just felt as someone that researched his story and that is the writer and producer on this project, I thought 1965 when he made the comeback was a very interesting part of his life. You know, he's down and out. He's back in Hartford, Connecticut, where he grew up and where he made his name. Um, he's kind of back home living with his family. He's on his fifth wife, who is 20 years his junior. He's 42. She's 21. His son has just returned home from God knows where. He's 19 years old. His son, Billy, addicted to heroin. Uh, you know, you've got Vietnam kind of brewing in the background. You've got the civil rights movement. And you've got this great fighter who's mostly forgotten and um, needs to make a buck. And he starts thinking about, what if I return to the ring six years after my retirement? You know, what, what can that do for me, you know, professionally? And what does that do for my legacy? And maybe this is the way I can solidify my legacy. It uh, didn't quite work out that way for Pep, though it was a top 10 human interest story uh, as deemed by the New York Times in 1965. Still to this day, the casual fan doesn't know who Pep is, but we hope that our film and, and telling his story will, will help solidify his legacy. Yeah, you, you talk about the records he put up earlier. Why do you think Pep's story isn't as well known as some of the other boxers at the time? I think, well, Pep was a featherweight. 
right? So that's a smaller division. Um, but in the 40s, at his height, you know, he sold out the garden every fight. Um, in the 40s, it was Joe Lewis, it was Sugar Ray Robinson, it was Willie Pep. He was a phenom. You know, he won the title in 1942 at the age of 20. At the time, you had to be 21 to fight for a world title. And this was back when there was only one world title for each division. So he was the featherweight champion of the world. You had to be 21, but his his management was able to kind of, you know, work the angles and fudge the paperwork. So on paper, he was 21 when he fought for that title, but he's only 20. So he, he was 54-0 when he fought for the title at 20 years old. He was a phenom, um, and he exploded on the scene. He was just a very popular fighter. And then later in the 40s and into the early 50s, his popularity waned. And it's just a classic story. If he just hung around a little too long, and a lot of the folks that admired him and, and knew him uh, to be the champion that he was early in his career, they kind of got older and died away. And he, he, he just fell out of popularity and, and fell out of the public's eye, and, but kept fighting, right, to put food on the table. It's all he knew and uh, kicked around for a long time. And just wasn't as um, famous as some of those bigger fighters who had shorter careers and greater heights. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting about what you're working on in the angle you're taking is I think in all sports, if there's one thing everyone loves, it's a comeback story. So I, I think that's a really interesting angle you guys are, you know, decided to take with the movie. So we know Willie Pep, um, and in his time in his life, is here in Hartford. Um, but you could really go on any studio lot and make it seem like Hartford. Why did you guys choose to come to Hartford uh, to want to wanna actually make this movie here? Sure. Well, we were going to shoot in New York, right? That was our first uh, thought and, and kind of shoot up in New York like Yonkers or Westchester and fake Harford. We had already done some scouting in Harford, had pictures, and I'm like, okay, we can make this neighborhood work for Harford and shoot the rest interior, right? We're not going to shoot a ton of exteriors anyway because of the period, the cost considerations of recreating the period. So um, that was the first thought. And then we, when we lowered the budget, we had some interest in Cleveland. Uh, we've got some relationships there. I'm a New York guy. Jim's a New York guy. But Jim spent some time in Ohio. His wife is from Ohio. Uh, and he keeps a residence in both Ohio and New York. So he got to know the commission really well out there. And he thought, maybe we could raise the equity in Cleveland. Uh, there's an interest here in bringing this film. We tried that about two years ago. That didn't work out. Um, we were contacted by a producer, a uh, friend of ours, Larry Hummel, who's in L.A., he told his father about the Willie Pep story. His father is based in Hartford. His father-in-law, I'm sorry, John Wolfson. He's a lawyer in West Hartford. And uh, John's like, well, why don't they come here? This is where the story takes place, Hartford, Connecticut. Now, we have been, I've been to Hartford many times, and obviously it would be great to have the actual backdrop of the story uh, to be in Hartford. But we had gotten away from that, and we were pulled back in by John and John John Wolfson, and he introduced us to a woman uh, by the name of Donna Collins, who works at the Hartford Business Journal. And between them, they thought that they could, with some time, help us raise the equity, the private equity that's needed to make the film if we made it in Hartford. Um, and we liked that idea. We liked the idea of filming in Hartford, and we liked the idea of finally getting the money to make the film. And we shifted gears uh, in the fall, this past fall, 2018, and we've been on the ground since uh, in Hartford. Uh, I want to say, was it nine months now, almost nine months of pushing, promoting the film in that area, making frequent trips, having meetings with potential 
uh, investors and supporters of the film and, and such. Um, but yeah, we're excited to shoot in Harford. It's the perfect backdrop. Uh, and, you know, Harford has embraced us and, and welcomed us with open arms. You talked about uh, the, uh, the challenge of going out there to, to raise some of that equity for the movie. What's that been like? Is that, would you say has that been the biggest challenge of, of actually getting this uh, up and running and off the ground? Absolutely. Uh, James Mandio is not a major Hollywood star. Um, so, and this is his star vehicle. So that's always a challenge when you're taking a lesser known actor and putting him in that principal starring role. And that's been a great challenge for us. Um, but at the same time, I think we we're now at a budget number that's feasible, but it's still difficult, still difficult to, to make people part with their monies and put it into you know, uh, an ever changing business, you know, the film business has changed so much with streaming and, and, um, you know, all of the, uh, online platforms to watch media. It's not like you get this big theatrical release anymore. And there, there's this great windfall of cash. Uh, but our, our business plan is such that it can still be a profitable venture for potential investors where the, the, the budget is so low that we've created a bottom line that is, we, we believe, you know, at any festival we could sell at budget level or well above if in a dream scenario we get into some kind of bidding war with some of the streaming outlets that exist um, today. So um, it is difficult to raise even the smallest amount of equity, but we've had some success. We have first monies in. Uh, we've got more monies behind that, and we're pretty hopeful at this point that we can raise the equity we need to, to start rolling cameras uh, this fall in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. So once that equity d- does hit, it, you know, what's the next step? Is, is it being able to go shoot the movie right away or, or what's, what's that process like once you've hit that number? Yeah. So we'll hit a number. Um, once we hit a number that, that allows us to green light the film, um, which is about 80% of our shooting budget, we will open an office in Hartford um, and we will have about six weeks of prep on the ground, hard prep in Harford, where we have an office, we have, you know, key staff starting, um, you know, coming into town, we start scouting locations, securing locations, uh, doing all the prep work that comes with the film, casting locally. We have about 20 roles in the film that we would like to cast with local actors, uh, maybe closer to 15, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, the kind of one-liners, two-liners, you know, one scene, two scenes. And uh, so we're going to do all that over a six-week period once we open up shop in Harford, and then we'll roll cameras for about four weeks, and then we'll be in town for another two weeks just cleaning up, um, you know, wrapping up whatever we need to wrap up in town, and then we we go into post-production. So that's pretty much the time frame. We'd be in town about, what is that, 10 to 12 weeks uh, in Harford, Connecticut, after we get the green light and we we reach our equity goal. That's awesome. And I I think one thing that's would be big that, that this movie would bring is that, you know, bring jobs to, to Hartford, you know, talking about some of those uh, roles you might have, you know, production staff, things of that nature, and, and bring some recognition to the to the city of Hartford. What type of impact do you think filming a movie, you know, of this size and scope in, in Hartford could have on the city? You, you nailed both of those, both of those things you said, you nailed it on the head. One, we're going to bring jobs. We're going to have a direct economic impact of over a million dollars that we're going to spend in town over those three months. So that's great. I mean, dropping a bucket when you're talking about state budgets and that kind of thing, but um, definitely makes an impact, a direct impact, uh, dollars and cents. And then also, 
you know, raising the profile of the town. Right now, there's not a movie that you can think of that you can relate to Harford. You know, Harford, you're a young guy. I'm a relatively young guy. Harford is what? The insurance capital of the world? Well, there are young people in this world that drive economies, right? There's a whole generation of folks out there of, of young people that drive economies and the insurance business is great and it's been fruitful for Harford. But how about the film industry that attracts young professionals? How about bringing that to town? And that's what I've been telling folks in Harford. You know, don't look at this so much as an investment in a movie. Look at this as an investment in the future of Harford. You know, we can come in here, lay some groundwork and some infrastructure that doesn't presently exist and introduce young people in the town, locals, film students, film professionals that want to be in this game. They can get on the ground experience and they can take that with them. And hopefully we can leave behind some of those, you know, young filmmakers with this experience. But also we can kind of kick in the door and maybe there'll be a film right behind us. Now, I'm only two hours from Harford. If I have another property and things go well in Harford, I can come back up there and shoot another film. I've got at least two other scripts of local Connecticut filmmakers. that are like, yeah, I can make my film in Harford. Um, so I could see it being a future industry in that town. Um, and, and Harford just needs to have that vision and see that with us as well, that this is a great win for the town, uh, for the city of Harford. Have you gotten support from, you know, people in the city, you know, outside of those, you know, who have invested directly in the production of the movie, you know, have you heard support from others, you know, in the city, uh, uh, you know, voices of support around, around the movie and what you guys are trying to do? Absolutely. Um, the Connecticut Film Commission has, has been great. Uh, that office, you know, George Norfleet, the director there, um, is, is our, like our number one supporter. And he sticks his neck out for us at every turn. And he's, he's talking this film up all over town. Uh, we had a meeting at uh, Mayor Luke Bronin's office, and uh, that went very well. Uh, Councilman Jim Sanchez was there. He's part of the newly formed Harford Film Commission. They're trying to get some stuff going. Uh, so, And then, you know, a host of other folks, people like Jim Amon and Bob Petroselli and, and folks like that that we've met with that support uh, Oz Griebel is another person. They support the project. They want to figure out ways for us to get it done. You know, it's going to be a combination of gov government subsidy, which is a 30% tax credit. We're trying to raise that if we can. If we can get that up to 40%, that lowers our equity raise and, you know, would create, it would need to be some special legislation put in like, hey, you're shooting the whole thing in the city of Harford. Maybe we could give you that extra 10%. That's still early conversation. I might be getting ahead of myself there, but we're trying to get the, the public support um, at the government level to, to, to help us right supplement our uh, our budget with with the government aid and the tax credit, and then you know the private support uh, and just just um, you know spreading the word and, and through some of those people I mentioned um, in town there. Yeah, absolutely, so, Steve. I think you know you've got me certainly excited. Uh, you know about what's what could be out there. Uh, you know, with this movie and the work you guys are doing, you know, not only the film itself, but again, uh, the greater impact you're going to have on the area. So, uh, Steve, thanks again for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time and best of luck going forward with this. Uh, looking forward to being able to uh, check out the movie someday soon. Thanks, Jared. I just want to say we think it's a bold statement, but Pep can be to Harford what Rocky was to Philadelphia. We really believe this could be the Harford film and uh, really solidify Pep's legacy. Jared, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. 
If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.